Today's episode of Dear Old State is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees on or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn, or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to dearoldstate.robinhood.com. That's dearoldstate.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Welcome back to Dear Old State, the Athletics Penn State football podcast. I am Matt Brown, college football editor for The Athletic, joined as always by Penn State writer Audrey Snyder. Audrey, the 2020, 2019 excuse me, season is officially in the books. Clemson loses to LSU. We have a new national champion. And Penn State turns the page to a new decade and national title hopes for next year. All those early top 25 are already coming out so what do we think next year Audrey is Penn State gonna win the national title we're easing right into it Matt I see how (laughs) this is um you know watching that game Monday night watching the ridiculously talented playing out of his mind Joe Burrow to me for Penn State to bridge this gap and let's not confuse this Matt I mean they're Penn State's a very good team they've been able to sustain the success the last few years under James Franklin But there's a gap there when you look at how LSU played last night. You look at how Clemson has played the last few years. You look at Penn State, Ohio State, how those teams have matched up head-to-head. I just don't know if they're ready to bridge that gap yet, Matt. But this is the time of year. Penn State's back on campus. Classes started on Monday. The spring semester, even though it's gloomy here and looks like it's about to snow, it is the spring semester. This is when all the development really starts to take place. Um, so you can never really put a, you know, an indicator on, all right, how much does this guy improve between now and the spring game and then the spring game and the start of fall camp. So as of right now, I would say no, but they're going to have some big time playmakers on this team, no doubt about it. And when you have that and you're playing in a conference that is the Big Ten East, you're always going to have a shot to open some eyes to, you know, upset some other teams, i.e. Ohio State. Um, but Right now, Matt, I would say no, but we'll see. So Penn State finishes at number nine in the AP poll, which was released uh, late Monday night. I had Penn State number 10 on my ballot. The only thing that I changed there, the difference is I had Minnesota over Penn State. AP poll was Penn State over Minnesota. I felt after Minnesota beat Auburn that, well, they did beat Penn State. So I think they Mm kind of, they got that other quality win. I thought they deserved to be over Penn State, but either way. Penn State, a top 10 team for the third time in four years. Uh, that had not happened since the 90s, since Penn State's first four years in the Big Ten, 1993 to 96. They finished 8th, 2nd, 13th, and 7th. So pretty similar here. 7th, 8th, 17th, and uh, now 9th. No undefeated team, team like 94, but still three eleven win seasons in four years, three top 10 uh, rankings in four years. 
pretty good and does set the stage for some high expectations. But some more news, too. As, Audrey, you were moving in your house. Of course, news broke uh, last week. Of course. Last week. Why wouldn't and it? An unexpected coaching change, which these mm-hmm. things happen. But, uh, yeah, Penn State loses another wide receivers coach. Yeah, another year, another wide receivers coach. Uh, that's the way I guess things are going to be around here. Uh, obviously, Jared Parker is heading to West Virginia. If he needs extra moving boxes, Matt, I can help him out. <laughs> I've got plenty of those. Uh, but yeah, this was another Friday news dump for the Nittany Lions. And for me, the interesting thing here is I thought it was pretty obvious from the get-go that Jared Parker was one of these younger rising professionals in this business that he wasn't going to be here for several years. Um, I got that impression from the get-go. Penn State's receivers loved this guy. They raved about him. Um, I'll be dusting off those quotes, Matt, for some stories this week on The Athletic. And I asked Keandre Lambert point blank when I was in Virginia uh, in December before he, of course, early enrolled and got here on Saturday the same day, uh, I guess one day after his receivers coach left. And I asked him in December, I said, you know, if Jared Parker wasn't at Penn State, would you be at Penn State? Because Parker had identified Lambert way back at a camp at Duke several years ago. So there was a long relationship there. And he said, I I don't know. I'm not so sure. I mean, that relationship matters a lot. I do wonder, uh, I mean, it's the nature of college football, Matt. You know, you feel for the kids, the two receivers who early enrolled, who get here and their position coach is gone. Uh, now, granted, they Lambert did tweet out, you know, best wishes, that kind of thing. And I would presume Parker talked to them before this all happened and became public. But that's how it goes uh, for Penn State. Now you look, and this was something that I really hadn't thought much about until last year when David Corley left. And uh, it was, who the heck was it? It was KJ Hamler who tweeted it. These guys went from Josh Geddes to David Corley to Jared Parker, and now they're going to get somebody else. I mean, that is a significant amount of transition at one position group in a significant amount of time. I get it. It's not like he's leaving for a lateral move, you know? Like, you have that. Josh Gaddis left for a promotion quarterly. It certainly just did not work out. So you're going to have some young rising professionals who I think come through that receiving core spot. But uh, to me, it's going to be a big void to fill because – Parker was a good recruiter, right. and that's something that now you've got to look at, okay, who do they hire? And I believe the coaching convention's going on now, I want to say, yeah. this week. Well, it's been, yeah, since Saturday. Yeah, so that's going to be something where I'm sure Penn State, you know, James Franklin and his lists, he's going to be talking to people, picking people's minds, because you're going to have three staff changes, at least, Matt, who's to say, you know, something else doesn't happen, I don't know. But you've got a new offensive coordinator, a new offensive line coach, you're going to have a new receivers coach. Uh, that is a lot of transition for one off season. Now, I do think that they've made some good hires so far uh, and that these definitely look like upgraded positions, upgraded hires, but you got to see how this plays out. Yeah, it's still, I mean, for a large segment of Penn State fans who you know grew up with Penn State, have been around the program for a long time, this is still feels unusual just because, you know, in the Joe Paterno era, it wasn't just stability at head coach it was stability with the entire staff you know there was mm-hmm. so little turnover over decades it was just remarkable and that isn't normal that <laughs> felt normal <laughs> at penn state but it's not normal anywhere else and this is this is just what happens now again you mentioned you know the corley hire didn't work out but uh with a guy like parker it's i think it's surprised that he's gone already <laughs> certainly 
But this is just what happens. We've seen Alabama, you know, turn over half its coaching staff, at least seemingly every year. It's just the nature of the business, especially, you know, with, uh, you know, what coordinators are getting paid now. And so it's, it's tough for some guys who are like going into their fourth year at Penn state. They're going to have, you know, their third different offensive coordinator, their fourth different wide receivers coach. It's really tough, but it is just, it's, it's crazy, but it is also the nature of the business. So, uh, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see what James Franklin does with, uh, we don't know how big of a salary pool he has. We still don't know what his new contract is. <laughs> We're still waiting <laughs> we, on that we as do, of Tuesday. We do know, Matt, and Sandy Barber had mentioned this. Now, obviously, we can't see the figures of the assistant coach's salary pool, but she did say ahead of the bowl game that you know Penn State is in the top three in the assistant coach's salary pool in the Big Ten. And so you got to figure, again, we'll take her word for it because we can't see these numbers, but she said for them being in the top three, that's been the goal. That's you know been the point for them to get there and stay at that point. Um, so you, I got to figure that there's money there to make this higher. But again, like you said, I mean, we still have no clue what the terms of James Franklin's contract are, what the buyout's going to look like, um, why in the world it's taken so long to get this get this thing signed. I mean, this has been at what at least a month it seems like since he agreed to this. Yeah, it was right yeah. before. Feels like a year ago, in December. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so, well, still not, no uncertainty. We know he's locked up, but we right. just don't, I, 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 we don't know yet. So it's uncertainty in some respects, at least. Uh, but the other piece of uncertainty, which we'll see, but uh, as of Tuesday, when we record this, the NFL draft deadline is January 20th, next Monday. And still kind of waiting for a couple decisions. Shaka Tony, especially it feels like mm-hmm. uh, Lamont Wade. We haven't heard one way or the other. I think we, expect him to be back but again surprises happen all the time so still waiting for a couple possible nfl draft decisions it seems and james franklin wished lamont wade a happy birthday on tuesday well there you go that's all you need to know (laughs) yeah so that would lead me to believe that he's here on campus i mean the spring semester did start on monday uh so they have to know or have a really good idea of who's here who isn't here you would think think. but you know everybody deals some decisions go down to the wire every year and uh so I don't know. Just because the semester started, I don't think doesn't mean decisions have been made. But and here's knows? here's my question with all of this, Matt. These these are the things that I ponder. When did it become a thing that players announce whether they're coming back or they're going? Like when did it become a thing where it's like, hey, I'm staying. Here's a statement. Well, you know social I mean? media like, has made it more prominent. Yeah. you know, I, it's it's always it's always been a thing as long as guys have had the option to come out. It's just that one, uh, the number of guys who leave early is just risen exponentially over the last decade or two. Mm-hmm. You know, every year seemingly sets a new record for the number of players who leave early. So you just have more people making that decision to make the jump. But then, so then you have seemingly more people who are considering it just because so many people are coming out early. Uh, and then you add in social media and guys can make their own statements and they're getting asked on Twitter and Instagram all the time. So you add that all up, and now we have, yeah, basically every draft-eligible per- player who starts seemingly has to make their decision public, which definitely is a big change from 10, especially 20 years ago, but even, yeah, only a few years ago, it seems. Yeah, it's just, to me, it's just interesting because, like, you see it, and it's like, it's I guess it's the same thing as why guys release, you know, a top 13, a top 10, a top 8, a top 5. Like, I don't know, Matt, maybe we're just old and complaining Obviously. now. <laughs> yeah, that's what it must be. Well... 
you know, hey, don't complain about getting getting decisions, at least, especially That's for right. the guys we who want answers. Yeah. made their decisions like right after the regular season. So thank you to Pat Fryermuth for putting that out there, because we did want to know with him, at least. Yeah, it, there was a lot of intrigue with that one, and he got it out of the way. And then, of course, KJ Hamler goes, you know, down to the wire on New Year's Eve. But whatever, like, that's his decision. But I do think, Matt, you look at what Penn State could have lost in terms of guys who could have declared. And Fryermuth obviously, was the biggest one who's coming back. Um, so I'm curious to see how that kind of sets the stage because they're going to need Pat to continue to be a leader, not just for the offense, but also, like, vocally. He was a captain last year, I think. You know, you'd expect to see him in that same role this year. But, yeah, um, I need to turn off a lot of Twitter notifications for several players who've been on the <laughs> fence who I've yet to do that for. Well, there you go. There's a task for as the offseason begins. Mm-hmm. But as we can move on now here a little bit, as we said, the 2019 season is over and the early 2020 top 25s are coming out. At The Athletic, you can check out. Stuart Mandel's early top 25 has been posted as of Tuesday morning. Penn State comes in at number six. Uh, so check that out. Penn State is number two among Stu's Big Ten teams. He has come to number one, Ohio State number two, Alabama three, Georgia four, LSU five, Penn State six. Not to spoil it, please subscribe to The Athletic and read it if you're not a subscriber <laughs> yet. Uh, but so that he they are joined in the his top 25 in the Big 12. 10 by Wisconsin's 11th, Iowa is uh, 13th, Minnesota 16th, Michigan 20th. So plenty of Big Ten teams make the cut, Penn State number two, which is about what we would expect, I think. You know, I've looked around at some of the early top 25s coming out. I think Stu probably has Penn State a tad higher than most others, I've seen, but most of it is kind of as we expected, hanging around the bottom half of the top 10. And if I had to guess now, I bet Penn State's like, I'm going to guess eighth right now is where Penn State opens the season in the AP poll. That would seem about right, Matt. I mean, and you look at it, and like you said, in the Big Ten East, uh, clearly behind Ohio State. Like, that's that's the obvious. But, again, I hope this offseason everyone doesn't buy into Michigan again <laughs> and buy it, you know, buy it so hard on Michigan that they're going to— As soon as know, nobody oh, does is when they're going to go 14-0. and 0 and, like, that's just Dylan McCaffrey's going to light the world yeah. on fire this year, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's just to me, and I don't want this to come across as like a demeaning thing. Penn state's consistently been in the conversation. And I think that's what a lot of people maybe take for granted when you think about where this program was, but Hey, like there is no shame in consistently being a top 10 team, but not being able to get in the playoff. You know what I mean? Like it could be a lot worse. <laughs> exactly. It's like nobody over in the football building is going to say that because and unlike course, Michigan, they did win a big 10 title recently. Yeah. I mean, like you look <laughs> at it and it. I think, but it, this is exactly where the whole college football playoff thing has divided a lot of people where it's like, you know, there was not a heck of a lot of buzz around Penn state going into the cotton bowl. You know, it just wasn't that sexy game that a lot of fans wanted. But then you look at it, turns out to be a hell of a game. Penn State puts on a lot of incredible performances. And again, it's a win in a New Year's Six Bowl game, but yet it's like, okay, what do they have to do to take that next step? And I get it, um, you know, as a sports fan myself, here we are, Matt, as a Packers fan myself, I don't want to hear about, oh, okay, great, you know, you're in the playoffs, how many years, whatever, you want them to win the Super Bowl, right? You want them to consistently be the best team. But for me, that's where uh, I think the playoff thing is kind of 
maybe lost some people just that it's playoff or bust. Um, but yeah, Penn State, what they've been able to consistently do here, I think sometimes we all maybe even lose sight of it a little bit um, just because you get so caught up in, you know, oh, are they going to be in the, you know, the top four, that kind of thing. But there's my Packer mention for the show. Of course. Well, good luck. There could to be them. more. Who's to say? <laughs> We'll see after the championship games. <laughs> oh, man. This weekend, Matt, it's going to be uh, – Sunday night's going to be interesting for me. It could it could end – I could be very, very happy. I'm going to set my expectations very low for the game and say, okay, I didn't expect that they'd be you know in the NFC title game this year. They already got smoked out in San Fran once. I did look at flights to go out there on Sunday. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, absolutely not. I'm not dropping like – you know, 1500 bucks to go and do that. But uh, yeah, I look forward to watching it from the cozy confines of my couch. Well, there you go. There's our brief Packers detour for the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, speaking of championships, there are, of course, my inbox is already being uh, inundated with odds for 2020. And Penn State is at, in the early ones, courtesy of Bet Online, Penn State is 33 to 1 to win the national championship, which is. Uh, tied for 11th with Michigan, actually, in terms of odds oh, to geez. win the national title. And then the Heisman odds, which good luck making Heisman bets. <laughs> Journey Brown and Sean Clifford both come in at 50 to 1. So there you go. Not not surprising to see them on the list just because Penn State's a going to be a preseason top 10 team. You have a returning starting quarterback, running back who finished the season strong. But yeah, if you want to bet on a Penn State running back to win the Heisman next year, you know, good luck to that. But, you know, 50 to 1. <laughs> so are you, are you telling people, Matt, to put money on Noah Kane? Is that what I just heard? Obviously. Uh, of course. I can't, can't believe he's not 40 to 1 and has, doesn't have better odds. That's what we were supposed to ask, right? <laughs> and then what, one, of the, one of the freshmen's going to come in and be the lead guy. Watch. That'll happen. For all we know, that'll that's mm-hmm. what'll happen. NFL Conference Championship Week is here. Four teams, two games, so little time left in the season. Don't miss out. Get in on all the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. With so much going on this week, DraftKings has great promotions running every day. From odds boosts to free bets, they have it all. This week only, bet on any star player to score the first touchdown of a game with 10 to 1 odds. It doesn't get better than that. Plus, DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe and secure betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. And to top it all off, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering their best sign-up offer to date right now. You won't want to miss this. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code TOSS when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget, that's code TOSS and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only. In partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. But why don't we, it's not, we have a long, long, long time to make our actual season predictions, but it's January. Let's have some fun. There's time to fill. Why don't oh, we yeah. make a, a lot of time few, few, just for fun, let's make a few 2020 early predictions. I think I'll start with one that I made, I think, in November which is Michael Parsons is going to win the Butkus Award next year. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it's that big of a stretch to make that prediction. He was a finalist this year of the six finalists. He was an All-American, first-team All-American in some circles. And after his performance in the Cotton Bowl, he will probably enter the year as like the favorite to do it. Um, Isaiah Simmons from Clemson, who won it this year, is gone. 
there will be some good linebackers back. Dylan Moses from Alabama, who missed all of the season, decided to come back for a redshirt junior season. He'll be a candidate. Be plenty of good candidates, but I don't think it's a huge stretch to think Micah Parsons will enter the year as the Butkus Award favorite and have a good chance to win it. And maybe even you'll get like the Benaric Award, the National Defensive Awards, which over the years have been kind to Penn State. Uh, I would expect Micah Parsons to be in that conversation. Penn State, in the Bednarik Award at least, won three consecutive Bednarik Awards for Defensive Player of the Year from 2005 to 2007 with Paul Pozlesny and Dan Connor. LeVar Arrington's also won that. Seems to be an award that likes Penn State <laughs> with the Maxwell Football Club, which is based in Pennsylvania. Uh, I think that's in Jersey, right? Well, it's yeah, they, based in Philly. Yeah. They have their awards in Atlantic City. So I've gone to that before, Matt. I'm going to call a... my shot now. I'm going to say Michael Parsons wins the Buckus and the Bednarik next year. Why don't we have some fun with early predictions? That's uh, that's a pretty bold move, but I don't think you're wrong, Matt. Um, <laughs> it, you know, you look at Michael Parsons, and it's just I still can't wrap my head completely around what he did in the Cotton Bowl and just how one guy could be so disruptive for an entire game. And that's, you look at star power in college football, and yes, of course, that matters. And, you know, watching the national title game, and you look at the big-time players who step up, who can change games, who are consistently the guys that other teams have to game plan for. And for Penn State, that's obviously Micah Parsons. That's the guy that opponents are going to say, all right, we got to know where 11 is at all times. We have to figure out a way to stop him. Uh, What does Brent Pry do with Parsons this coming year in terms of how much flexibility do they have with him? Again, we saw him rush the passer more this year. How do they continue to build on that? And, Matt, I'm going to add to that. Not-so-bold prediction. However, I'm going to add that Micah Parsons is going to get that first career interception, that collegiate interception, during non-conference play next year. I think he gets it out of the way early. And he's going to score a touchdown next year, too. That's going to happen. He what created I'm a touchdown to. in the Cotton Bowl, but he's definitely going to he's, he's, he's he's going to score a touchdown before he leaves Penn State. I want to see what he does when he scores that touchdown because you know he's got something good planned. Are the officials going to have their flags ready? Like, <laughs> Oh, man. Because him and Will Levis went back and forth this year about wanting to uh, – they were like sharing celebrations, and then Levis – got in the game and scored, and Micah claimed that Levis stole his, I guess it was like a Thor celebration where it looked like he had like a big hammer and swung it. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure Micah will spend a lot of time this offseason dreaming and thinking up of what this celebration is going to look like when it happens. You would think so. All right, Audrey, let's put you on the spot. Give me give me some sort of 2020 prediction for Penn State. Oh, boy. <laughs> I predict that... All of these running backs. (laughs) Well, I predict that of all of these running backs, when we have this conversation next year on January 14th, that at least two of them will not be here. I don't know which two, but I'm going to say at least two of them will not be here. Um, Six scholarship backs heading into this season, Matt. Give it a year. Uh, Well, I mean... Journey Brown's going to enter the spring. He could easily as a go pro next year. Like yes. after, after a redshirt junior year, that's four mm-hmm. years. Even if he's not rushing for 2,000 yards, there's a decent chance you'd think, given what he did and given the competition, and you'd think that could happen. That's not that's not a stretch. Yeah. So I'm saying two aren't going to be here. Um, my guess would be that what you just said happens with Journey Brown. And the other one that isn't here, good Lord, who knows? I mean, somebody it's, could easily transfer out of the year. That's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've got all these talented guys to pick from. So I think the crazy 
lawn boys, someone's going to take their chair off the lawn and head elsewhere eventually. Give it okay, a year. Who, who leads the team in rushing next year? Oh, geez. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I'm going back to it, Matt. I'm going back and beating that Noah Kane drum. Uh, Mark it down to, right now as we record. We're recording this on January 14th. Mm-hmm. Our 10, first prediction that will be probably wrong because that's what happens. <laughs> but. So, yeah. So if you're into betting, put all of your money on Journey Brown and Devin Ford because I'm saying <laughs> Noah Kane. Um, I just I, I think they are or heck, I forgot about Ricky Slade. Who knows what happens there? Um, I, I just think that when you have that many weapons, eventually someone is going to emerge as the guy that just can't be denied. And I think, you know, we've seen some little more game specific things. I do think we're going to see Ricky Slade catch a lot of passes next season. Um, Definitely more so more opportunities than he had this year. But in terms of rushing numbers, it's got to be, well, I say it's got to be between Kane and Journey Brown, but then who knows what Devin Ford does. He could change all of this. I just there's something about the way Noah Kane runs the football that just looks like a legitimate, super talented Big Ten back. Um, but then look what Journey Down- Brown did in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, so very well could be him too. So I'm gonna beat the drum because that's that's my thing apparently, Matt. So all aboard the Kane train yet again. Well, just to be different, which isn't that different because it's what will be expected given that he led the team in rushing by he doubled up everybody else this year. Or doubled up the next best back, yeah. which Noah Kane missed time, of course. But Journey Brown at 890 yards, finished really strong. So I will just say that he leads. I, I bet, my, my guess is that him and Kane are pretty tight next year as the top two. Uh, they'll work in the others. But I, I I bet their numbers end up being fairly similar in terms of the number of yards. I wouldn't be surprised if Kane has a few more carries. Uh, just because if mm-hmm. he, you know, is healthy and he's, you know, coming into a sophomore year, they're not going to hesitate to use him. And he's, you know, playing that kind of finisher type role. Wouldn't be surprised if Kane has a few more carries, if Journey Brown averages a little bit more per carry, and they end up with pretty similar yardage hurdles. But just to be different, I will say Journey Brown leads the team in rushing next year. And here's the other thing with that, Matt. They are in such a good position. If one of these guys gets hurt, gets banged up, it's like you've got another starter that you can just plug right in there. You know, like they really, they really are fortunate in that regard. And then I think you add in there too, the weather conditions, right? If you get a sloppy, muddy, rainy game, to me, that is like perfect time to use Noah Kane. You know, who knows what you get in the Big Ten. Um, But yeah, to me, it's like you've got different styles of backs. All of these guys are talented. They've showed it time and time again. So yeah, a plethora of options. But when we're sitting here next January 14th, um, I think six goes down to four. All right. Well, we'll see. Let's move on to how about I'm going to give a game specific prediction. Let's look at I'll rattle off Penn State's 2020 schedule here. Uh, now they are opening with Kent State. It was going to be Nevada. Now it's Kent State. So it's another typical Mac opener. Sounds like a excited. great time. Yeah. Kent State at Virginia Tech, which is an intriguing one. Somehow these teams have never met, which is shocking, uh, but a great series. It, Makes a ton of sense for those teams to That's play each gonna other. That's going to be fun. Going to be fun. And I guess that could be. I would. Well, who knows? I don't know what other games are that week, but that to me, like, could be a really cool night game in Blacksburg potentially. You would think, yeah. You know, it's, it's Virginia Tech's one of those ones like Penn State and LSU where the networks love to feature at night, and it's also it cannot be a uh, it won't be a Fox game because it's an ACC game. So 
it won't be in danger of being the big noon kickoff on Fox. So it does sound like the type of game that could easily be an ABC primetime type game. So we'll see. Uh, Kent State at Virginia Tech, San Jose State, Northwestern at Michigan. Then they're off. One bye week again next year goes back to a fairly normal schedule. Oh, that's the worst then, news of the week, man. Only one bye week? <laughs> Are you kidding the me? The season as a whole is shorter by a week. Ugh. After the off week, it's Iowa, Ohio State, both at home, and then at Indiana, at Nebraska, uh, Michigan State, and then Maryland at Rutgers to end the year, those two games. So I'm going to give one game-specific prediction, and it, it is that Penn State wins in the big house for the first time since 2009. I think Penn State will be a better team than Michigan next year. I think they're going to stop getting blown out in Ann Arbor. And in fact, I think they will win at Michigan next year. Matt, that is a, uh, what month is that game? Is that October? That's the last, or sorry, it's the first game of October, October 3rd. Okay. The off week. So early October. Yeah, that's going to be, that'll be a lot of fun. I am really looking forward to going back out to Nebraska. Penn State hasn't been back there since the Matt Lehman fumble. Um, And yeah, it's been a while. Been a while. And that's when Bill O'Brien was out there, and I've only ever been out there one time, so I'm very much looking forward to getting back out there and checking that out. And while Nebraska fans are notorious for being rabid and wonderful, I think that Penn State is just going to absolutely smoke Nebraska next year. <laughs> Not um, buying into the hype again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just, you know, you look at it and you see what Scott Frost is doing and what he's trying to do. and. Uh, very much looking forward to just seeing that, having that whole experience again out there. But yeah, I think Penn State could potentially smoke the Cornhuskers. So we do have that to look forward to. Maybe. Either way, I don't know. I'll be happy to see whatever wacky flight pattern I get that gets me to either Omaha or Lincoln and however I get from one to the other. Yeah. Last time this happened, Matt, this is what I remember about. Well, I remember the fumble in the game and that it was the the front page of might have maybe it was like the Omaha World Herald the next morning of Layman and the fumble and the ball and just looking there and and all of that. Um, but I remember that I was worried I was going to miss the game because I think I flew from like State College to Philly, Philly to Denver, and then <laughs> oh, sat no. in Denver with a delay for like eight hours, and then Denver and I want to say I went right into Lincoln. Um, so yeah, that was that was interesting. And then we got there and. Bill O'Brien used to do, like Joe Paterno did, the like off-the-record talks the night before the game. So I got there like right as that was happening. Um, so that was, that was I didn't really see anything um, in Lincoln other than the game. Well, yeah, it's been a long time, but Penn State, that will be one of the more intriguing games, I feel like, of next year when it won't be exactly a trap, but it's the last, second to last, well, last real road game of the year because they play Rutgers the last weekend. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> That's says so that the like yeah the Thanksgiving weekend Thanksgiving weekend will be out. so the yeah there's always now two games that are affected by uh, students leaving because even the Saturday before people can technically go home so the Maryland game will be the last home game will be Senior Day on the twenty first sending the All seniors right. out with a half full stadium against Maryland Matt that's why don't we a, give a, oh yeah <laughs> a, a new tradition um, <laughs> why don't we give why don't we give a couple player specific predictions let's talk about give me give me a breakout player for 2020 who's going to become a star or maybe an instant impact freshman or or something like that i think jahan dotson is going to be very very good um i I do think i think he was underrated this year i agree like yeah i mean everybody it was like you know kj hamler was the guy and understandably so but i think 
you watch Dotson, the way he moves, he's just, I've said it before, he just looks really, really smooth when he's out there. So I think he's a guy that is going to step up into that number one role. Now, I don't know what happens behind him uh, with the two and the three. That's going to be, you know, a spring camp battle that's certainly going to linger into the summer. And I think we'll even see, you know, that position battle linger into the first first few weeks of the season. But I think Dotson uh, could have himself a very good year. So that should help the offense. Um, so he would, I guess, be my breakout guy if he qualifies as a breakout guy. And then I'll give you one for defense. Sure, he's a breakout too, guy if you become, you know, he had like 450 yards or whatever. Like, I think yeah. you're saying he could become like an, an all Big Ten type player next year. Yeah, yeah, that, no. That, that qualifies as a breakout. It, yeah, like I, I think that that's certainly, um, that's possible for him. And then for defense, I'm going to go with the guy who I thought that maybe we would see a little bit more from this year. Um, and that is the guy with the freakish testing numbers, Mr. Jason Owe. beat me to it. That's what I was going to say. Yep. See, well, and Matt and I, then, we didn't so discuss any of this. <laughs> so I, I just I thought we'd see a little bit more from him this year. I get it. They're stacked at defensive end. Uh, when we're recording this, we still don't know what Shaka Tony is going to do, if he's back or not. But either way, I think Owe is going to be that guy. And let's not forget, Adisa Isaac burned his red shirt this year yeah. um, and looks like a physical specimen. That's a good name so. to point out, too. That's definitely a guy who could make a big jump. But Owe does seem like a guy who I said, like, all Big Ten for Dotson. It wouldn't be shocking if Owe in like his first season as a starter made that leap. He had five sacks this year in kind of a limited role. Uh, and with Yitor Gross-Matos gone, regardless of what Shaka Tony does, there's certainly an opportunity for a guy like Jason Owe to make a big impact. Yeah, and and the testing numbers, Matt. I mean, that's – I would – well, I'm sure we'll never be able to do this, but I would love to watch him run the 40 and just dust everyone yes. on the team. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because apparently like – Stay tuned for the know, combine in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. Like teammates have said it, you know, when you watch him and – you know, Holuba Hall just goes silent. Everybody wants to see this defensive end run. It's just, it's crazy. And I think, you know, he was a late comer to the sport. So it's it's taken him some time up to this point. Um, but under the guidance of Sean Spencer, to me, there's no reason why Owe won't be a special player here. So I do think uh, 2020 is going to be his year. I was going to point him out, but I will go next to him. You know, I think Robert Windsor is an underrated loss from mm-hmm. this team in terms of what he's done. But... I, and this is no slight to him. I don't think there's going to be a drop-off because I think P.J. Mustafer is ready to be a star for Penn State. And we saw him rotationally this year, uh, but he was a big-time recruit. He's, he's played played a little bit as a freshman, was you know kind of the third defensive tackle this year, and showed, had some had some good moments where you could see the potential there. Uh, had four and a half tackles for loss. I think moving into a you know kind of full-time starting role, he is prime for big things, and I would expect Penn State to. You know, again, they're losing Windsor, they're losing Gross Matos, losing some big time players, but I would still expect the defensive line to be in really good shape, and I don't think we'd expect anything anything less from Sean Spencer at this point. Yeah, they've got some horses up front. I mean, it's just you look at the depth that they've built there, the way they've consistently recruited all across that line. Um, you've got some guys that you can work with, and yes, you know, losing Utah Gross Matos won't be easy to fill. But you've got so many other defensive ends that you've worked in over the years because of this rotation that they love that, you know, you're going to find playmakers out of that group. Um, So I think it's just a matter of, all right, who were two or three of those guys? But between Owe and Adisa Isaac, that's a good start. And I agree with you on Mustafer, Matt. I mean, I think he is going to be very, very good when things are all said and done. 
And he's also got that leadership presence too. I mean, he's a guy who, you know, the last two years, like really wasn't in a position to be a leader because of the guys ahead of him that were older. But I think he has that personality um, that he's going to be one of those guys that kind of steps it up for the defense and really probably for this whole team. I will throw just a couple other names out here. This this is a testament to how Penn State is recruited, that there's, I think if you look, there are a good number of kind of breakout type candidates and some of them have flashed already, but you know, in terms of becoming like a star. So I'll give a few more names who I think could do it next year. CJ Thorpe at guard in mm-hmm. a full-time starting role, not sharing a role with Mike Miranda. I think, you know, we expect both of those guys to start at guard next year. We've seen he's, he can be just nasty in the run game. Uh, I think he is a rising star. Sometimes you do see highlight blocks from him, and I think we'll see more of those. And if the running game is featured next year, which probably will be with the amount of talent they have at running back, uh, with with the potential blocking up front, up the middle, with uh, what they have coming back, I think Mm -hmm. C.J. Thorpe is a guy who's kind of a rising star with with as he gets more of a role and gets more refined. Uh, I will throw out Brandon Smith. Not a stretch to say the five-star recruit who – we saw some flashes from this year. Now uh, he now knows two linebacker spots. He did good, tell me that. Yep. Good chance he's filling the role Cam Brown has vacated, and he's another mm-hmm. tall, rangy type player who would seem to be a fit for that. Uh, and I think he certainly seems like a favorite to to earn one of those two vacant starting roles at linebacker. And then I think we have to say at least one of the young cornerbacks will break out next year. And I'm going to just say it'll be Keaton Ellis, uh, who I think you labeled your freshman of the year. Um, yes. Yep. So he's already shown flashes, but in terms of like, okay, could become a starter. Uh, you know, John Reed is gone. There, you know, we, there's Marquise Wilson. There's Joey Porter Jr. Who it wouldn't even be shocking if Joey Porter like competed for a safety role too. I could think he could fill like any position in the defensive backfield. Yeah, and then you get Donovan Johnson back too, who missed true, just true. about all of this year. You know, and I mean, Matt, I. I just can't think of a time where they have had more more talented but also more intriguing cornerbacks yes. than they have Which right now. Which is big now. after I mean, the way the pass defense finished this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's to me like that's the thing that it's it's so difficult to kind of put your finger on it and I'd like to pick Brent Price's brain about it um, you know, a little bit more this offseason just to try and figure out better like what in the world happened back there that you know, you guys gave up so many big plays, um, but yet, you know, I get it too that the run defense was so good that guys were going to try to come and pass the ball against you. But to me, that's like the one area where I asked all of the coordinators last summer, and I plan to do the same thing this year. What's the one statistic from, you know, your side of the ball or your position group that has to change this season? And, you know, for Pry last year, it was the explosive plays that they had given up. Well, they did a heck of a lot better against the run in the explosive plays, but they were much worse in the pass. You know, Ricky Ronnie said it was trying to hit their their explosive play benchmarks for the year, and you look at those numbers, they didn't do that this year. Uh, so, you know, you kind of look at that and you say, okay, I don't know what Chiraca's metrics are going to be. You know, what does he deem an explosive play? What are the stats that he values most? Uh, those are the things that we have to kind of gather this offseason and start to figure out. But, yeah, to me, the pass defense was just very, very confusing. Um, and then I do think, Matt, you'll, you'll see more of uh, Jaquan Brisker next year, too. I think he's a yeah. guy that you'll continue to see more and more of back there. Assuming that Lamont Wade happy birthday tweet means that he's still here, which I would think he is, but who knows? 
All right, let's do one last prediction here. Give me your biggest impact true freshman. Biggest impact true freshman next year. See, if they weren't so loaded at tight end, I would say Theo Johnson's going to be, he's going to be really good, but they're not going to need him next year. I think Curtis Jacobs is a guy that we're going to see. He's going to contribute in some way next year, but you look at it, Matt, and it's like they don't have these major needs to fill with a true freshman that, you know, you have to have this guy play. Um, but Jacobs is a guy, you know, obviously the highest highest ranked guy in the recruiting class, so probably a bit of an obvious choice. But I think he's somebody who can step in there, um, and whether it's on special teams like we've seen with Parsons and Lucetta, and then this year with Smith and a little bit with Lance Dixon, even though he redshirted, um, I think that it would probably be a similar path next year for Curtis Jacobs. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at who has the best opportunity, mm-hmm. and I think it's one of the receivers. Mm-hmm. And so I think Keandre Lambert would be the favorite there as the highest rated guy and is enrolling early. Uh, you know, Jaden Dotton is also enrolled early. Uh, and was a four-star recruit as well. So you'd you know, throw him in the mix. Um, but I'm going to say Lambert. And I, I think it's just, you know, he's one of the best receiving recruits in the country. And at, somebody young is going to step up at receiver. Maybe it's one of the redshirt freshmen, whether it's Dunmore or Jones. But there is certainly an opportunity and even a greater opportunity for an early enrollee to step up. Uh, you know, Parker Washington, the four-star recruit from Texas, who knows he could find a role as well. But I think it'll be one of the receivers, so I'm just going to give one name, and I will give the most obvious one and say it's Keandre Lambert has an impact, at least as a freshman. While we're on receivers, Matt, here's our, I think, our last prediction. Um, where does Justin Shorter end up? <laughs> oh, I, You know, I I don't know. I mean, I, it's... Florida's it's, the one that's gotten... I was going to say, Florida but. seems like the, the one, but... I just really wonder. I'm very curious to see what happens to him and his career um, because there's, you know, uh, something that just, for whatever reason, just didn't work out here for him. Um, Where is he at right now? I don't know. I don't know if he's enrolled in classes here currently um, or if he's, you know, pursuing other opportunities. Who knows? Because that always kind of, I mean, you saw Jawan Johnson last year. He was on campus all spring taking classes and then went to Oregon. Obviously, his situation was different being a grad transfer, but yeah, so I I guess, Matt, just because of the gator emojis that he once tweeted, I would guess Florida, but I don't know what Florida's, you know, (laughs) I don't know what their situation looks like, what their scholarship picture looks like. Uh, We'd have to ask Will Salmon about that, our Florida writer at The Athletic, but who knows? uh, They they lose a bunch of receivers, so they are looking for maybe another one. I know that, but so So there we go. Well, so we end the note. We we end on Justin Shorter, but lots of 2020 predictions, and of course, lots of predictions and analysis to come. Uh, next week, Audrey and we'll have um, you will be doing. You should be working on now. Some oh, depth always, chart man. Of course, <laughs> depth chart projections. So we're gonna have a lot to dive into the next couple of weeks on the podcast as well, uh, into just diving at what the roster actually looks like a little bit more in depth than just these kind of off the wall predictions. So we will have that coming up. And of course, we'll be on the website as well. So please rate, review, subscribe to Dear Old State on iTunes and uh, subscribe to The Athletic and read Audrey's Penn State content and all of our great national championship wrap-up stuff as well. And even our early 2020 uh, top 25 from Stuart Mandel. So There are so many good college football stories. 
on the site yes. consistently. We had, a, we, had an ar- we had a small army in New Orleans for, for content. So uh. I mean, when I woke up this morning, Matt, I started reading through them, um, and I haven't gotten to Brody Miller, our LLC writer. I haven't even gotten to his story yet, and it's just been tremendous. Uh, I can't, again, I can't recommend what we're doing enough and what we get to do. If you love college football, I'll tell you again, one subscription gets you into everything that we write at The Athletic. So, you know, if you're into the NFL, if you're into Major League Baseball, if you're into soccer, uh, we've got a bunch of people across the pond who are covering the heck out of soccer, which I don't follow, but maybe now I should, Matt. Maybe that'll be the off-season thing, weird thing that I take up. (laughs) Well, there we go. So check that all out on The Athletic. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening to Gerald State throughout the 2019 season as we turn our attention to 2020 for college football as a whole. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week on Dear Old State. Thanks for listening.